Hi, everybody. This is Mike Hancock. I'm the chairman and founder of the Circle of Excellence Group, as you can see behind me if you're watching on the video. And our very special guest this morning is Colleen Joy, Colleen Joy Page. And, you know, Colleen, your life is a very similar journey to one of my very uh, good friends, uh, Core Love, or Corey Hurt is his real name. And, uh, and I remember when I first heard his story, he was 13 and he got in a motor car accident. He wasn't driving and ended up in a coma for six months. And uh, that allowed him to see into the other realms and he could actually see things like the DNA of a tree. And he could see, if you've ever watched that television show Numbers, that was basically his life. And uh, it, it led him on a, a very interesting path in life that he still has today as well. And But we're not here today to talk about him. We're here to talk with you and about you. So Colleen also was somebody who, um, had a, had a health issue very early in life. I think you're age nine, if my memory serves me correct. And, you know, the process of going through that, and I'm sure you'll talk a little bit about it just for those who don't know it, and it'll be a great place to start. And then what happened to you over the next four or five years to um, take you on a journey that's now led you to over 4,000 stages around the world, being on stage with people like Neil Donald Walsh, um, to be working with really some tremendous people, um, not only in your own home country, but across the world as well. Colleen, it's lovely to have you today. Welcome and over to you. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. And uh, heartfelt hello to everyone. Uh, so nice to see some of the faces that join us every Tuesday, as well as some of my coaches and my team. So mwah, <laughs> big awesome. Thank you so much to Mike for sharing the, the Zoom link so that I could uh, invite a couple of my cherished folks. <laughs> and uh, I really want to just invite you all to the space. And my intention is to make this as practical and as relevant and as personal as possible so that you leave with something tangible, something helpful at the end of this hour, because time is a precious gift. And I really respect and appreciate the attention that you're bringing to this hour together. And thanks to Mike. Uh, very, very awesome to have been a part of Circle of Excellence for what feels like a little while, even though it's probably close to a year already. And I've really enjoyed the space that Lundy and Mike create and uh, wonderful to have an opportunity to do a little bit of sharing in that space. Yes, so let's dive right in. I'm going to just perhaps just kick off with a couple of questions for you so that I get a sense of where you're all at on this particular topic. And the chat area is my favorite space to engage. So please feel free to type in the chat. Uh, one of the things I always say on my Zoom classes, which I run at least two or three times a week, is let's not worry about spelling and grammar because I know English is not everybody's first language and sometimes people hold back from using the chat. And even if it, English is your first language, let's not worry about spelling and grammar just to put those keywords down, comments, questions, and any pearls of wisdom that you feel moved to share. So I'm going to just dive right in with a very provocative topic. I decided to be a little bit enticing, right? Um, making intuition your secret business superpower. Now having hang around a little while with a lot of you folks, as well as with my own crew and with the coaches that I'm very privileged to work with, I know that intuition is already a part of your lives. So I'm not here to tell you uh, how to engage in your intuition as a beginner. I'm going to assume that you all have some access to your intuition. And I would love to actually hear one or two thoughts in the chat about how you experience your own intuition. Is it that inner voice that everybody talks about? Is it more of a gut feel? Is it something, and you know, sometimes people refer to the heart as a center for their intuition, and others just feel it is a kind of helpful instinct that they use with business decisions. 
I'm sure that you have thanked your intuition at least a few times in your life. And I'm sure that you have probably regretted not following your intuition a few times. Am I right? So there are a couple of shares already. Um, thanks, Philippe. A gut feel for me. Linda's also a gut feel. Paul, helping, like a f helpful feeling in the belly area in my gut. Now, it's very interesting why we keep referring to the gut and I've got a couple of little insights around that, which I'm going to be sharing in a moment. Mine is definitely gut feel. Sometimes doesn't make logical sense, but I've learned to follow it. It's a feeling or a knowing. Gut feel sits low and niggly. <laughs> Love that, Lisa. <laughs> and I'm listening to it more this year more. I call it uh, the no thing. Ah, that is so cool. Love that, Mary. Yes, a feeling of calm in the gut, heart for me, deep peace for Sophia. Yes, yes, yes. Just, just know, like a knowing, right? So that's often very common as well. And of course, isn't it true that when we are stressed, when we are suffering, when the mind is busy, and when the heart is full, that it can seem sometimes as if our intuition is, is a little bit blocked, um, harder to access, right? So I want to look today at a couple of very specific takeaways and we're going to weave that into some of what you're saying. Matthew says a subconscious in a sense, it can feel like it's a separate entity with me. You know, in fact, Matthew, it's interesting. A lot of folks describe it as their intuition feels like it's coming to them, right? So there does feel like a little bit of distance as if there's the normal chatter in the mind. And then there, it feels like something is coming to us. Um, Julia says, for me, it's just a knowing. It just drops, drops in and is just there. And I want to emphasize that second part. It feels good. And there is something very important about watching the way intuition lands in the body and the physical somatic response, the actual physiological response. And I'm going to be diving into that today and how we can use that, 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 that appreciation for watching mindfully how intuition lands as a way to improve our ability to translate our intuitive seeing. Natasha says, I experienced my intuition in many ways. I'm sure as an intuitive coach, that's got to be that's got to be true. Hey, Natasha. And we look forward to hearing some of your pearls of wisdom today, I'm sure. Gut knowing, knowing that I know that I know. Love that. Yes, that unconscious competence moving into conscious, being really conscious about that. I love that. I sometimes know if something is intuition or being led by not sure if it's intuition or being led by a greater power. That's an interesting question. And some folks also aren't sure what the difference between ego and the surface mind is compared to intuition. How do we know it's not fantasy? How do we know it's not something we're just making up versus our real intuition? So that is something we can look at today is getting a little bit more clarity uh, around the quality and the source of our intuitive information. Um, and of course, Mark says, yeah, understanding the physiological response of intuition dropping in. Are you just echoing? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Alrighty, so I'm going to do what we usually do. This is my, my promise to you. I'm going to work really hard. One hour is tight. So we're going to cram in as much valuable information as possible. And I picked three what I feel really relevant applications for intuition that I'm sure each of you have to face at some point or have faced. And the first one is finding the right things to say in pitches and presentations. This is both online, when you're writing emails, when you're creating headlines, and secondly, overcoming decision fatigue. And I want to look at as entrepreneurs, I'm sure some of you can relate to a kind of fatigue that can set in with a barrage of daily small and big decisions right there. And I see Matthew's nodding as well, Sophia as well. 
sometimes as entrepreneurs we feel like what our business is or what our duty is is to just make decisions 24 hours a day where people are coming to us asking us and when we are having to guide and steer our own businesses choosing where to put our energy I think in one of the the previous clinics um, last year where we were where everyone was sharing about all these great ideas for the year ahead and you could almost feel a little bit of the fatigue of wow coming up with a lot of brilliant ideas is one thing choosing what to put your energy into <laughs> is quite another so I do want us to have a little bit of a look at how to access your intuition more reliably perhaps with a little bit more accuracy around this barrage of decision making and to really plug your intuition into your decision making process and finally the proverbial procrastination prison that even the best of us can have sometimes who understands or relates to times in their lives or perhaps on Mondays <laughs> when procrastination is really holding back the flow where we feel ourselves oh my gosh you know what to start with first what to do about this and it's linked to decision making of course every day <laughs> says Elmery so I really want us to to explore a very practical little technique and I'm going to share something that a lot of my coaches already know um, a little particular method that if you add to your intuitive contemplation even for five or ten minutes going to help you to unlock and free you from that procrastination really really quickly right so let us go so my my three questions you don't need to necessarily answer in the chat you can if you want to but I'd like you to answer this for yourself is first of all what is the cost of not using the right words whether it's for a presentation whether it's on a website post whether it's your actual core messaging I mean with Mike and Lundy the process of course is asking you right up front to get clarity as a first step around your positioning around your brand value proposition and of course we realize then that suddenly besides being entrepreneurs we have to become copywriters in a way and we have to learn the skill of picking words and it's one thing to choose words that resonate with us that speak to our truth that we love that seem to align with what we're all about but we've all got the challenge of bridging that to our audiences and our niche markets and so what I want to be looking at a little bit later is how to use your intuition to get a yes from both sides to get a yes from you so that you're not compromising on who you are by choosing words just for your market and also a yes that's going to land in the hearts and minds and in the intuitive feel of your audience so that's pretty I think that's quite a nice specific thing that we can look at the second question I'm, I'm proposing for you is what decisions stall and steal your energy and very specifically what I've noticed and I'm sure you have too is that when decisions are hanging around <laughs> and and we avoid them or we know we've got to get to them but oh, there's just so, there's it's not an immediately clear decision don't you find that it can feel draining over over time it can feel like that decision is just waiting in the wings and therefore I think it's quite important to have a way to process through your small and big decisions with some kind of natural speed I'm going to say natural because there's also a timing thing that we want to be sensitive to here but spending a bit of time moving through decisions quickly I think is pretty pretty important lots of good things coming through on the chat there that I'm appreciating being misunderstood absolutely miscommunicating oh, oh and Matthew's talking about relaxing and peace of the mind lots of really good little tips there lastly 
what is the procrastination present keeping f you from? So thinking about the spaces in your life where you know there could be more flow, but there's that wobbling, there's this uncertainty, or sometimes just a feeling of, <sighs> like, do I have to go there? Do I have to look at that? So let's see if I can do my best for you all today to share. And, uh, I have been working really, really hard in the last year and a half, crystallizing a methodology that I have used since a very young age, as Mike was hinting at. <laughs> and you know what it's like, folks, for those of us that create processes, it, it can start looking really complicated and it takes years to get simple, yes? It takes years to get simple. So I have been working to simplify a methodology, put it into a, an easy to use framework. I'm actually busy finishing off my fourth book on this topic. So you're all going to be hearing some of this work today. So this is the process I'm going to be teaching you and helping you to use this process for those three applications that we've mentioned. And very simply, just to keep it in the back of your mind already, we're going to be talking about how to dig your wisdom well, how to ask questions from your own intuitive wisdom well, how to open to intuition in a more accurate way and in a deeper intentional way. And then, of course, finally, how to live what we find, which, of course, is always so super important. What I'm about, I teach master coaching, meditation and mindfulness across various spaces. And of course, I need to do the, the, the little introduction to me, although I want to do this quite quickly to get to the good stuff, which is the how to. Uh, quite a busy collage, I know, but uh, little snapshots from my life just to give you a little bit of a sense of the journey. I have been very fortunate and privileged to work around the world, as Mike said earlier, with some amazing authors and speakers. and. When you hear a little of my story, you'll be as surprised as I was to find myself on stages around the world, writing, speaking and teaching. And when you put me in a boardroom, sometimes I hold back from telling them what my superpower is. <laughs> but for you all, I'm at the closet and I'm telling you that intuition is my secret business superpower and I would like it to be yours as well. Quick little story to give you an example. In 2011, I was asked to pitch for a very, very big coaching and training deal. Uh, there were about six or seven people asked to pitch. And it, they told us that it was worth many millions. And this at the time was for a logistics company called UTI that eventually got bought out by DSV, a Dutch company. And <laughs> I did all the things we should do, everything that you know that you should do, the research, the thinking, the logic, the intellect. So we don't want to abandon our intellects in this process. And then when it came down to the first meeting, before that meeting, I built myself a little wisdom well, which basically means sitting, shutting up <laughs> and tuning into my intuition consciously for 10 to 15 minutes to get one or two little, little insights that I would need in that first meeting. And the first insight that came to me, which was quite a surprise, was don't take brochures, don't take business cards, don't take a PowerPoint presentation, which made me really nervous. Just show up as a human being for this first meeting. So I was really nervous about doing that, but I arrived at this first meeting with literally my handshake and a smile. <laughs> and I spent the time getting to know this potential client, asking a lot of questions, taking a lot of notes, using my intuition to know what to ask, to know what to say, and then went away with that information to go through to the second round where we need to put presentations together. Same thing for the second round. Now I had a PowerPoint and a document and there was a, a boardroom to present to, 
before that meeting, I did a little tune-in, and the word that popped into my mind was hogsback. Now, for those of you that don't know what this crazy woman is talking about, hogsback is a place <laughs> in South Africa. And I, I couldn't shake why I was thinking about hogsback, but all I got is hogsback, hogsback, hogsback. And we had recently been, but I... And then the, so I arrive at this presentation and I always feel very strongly about, if possible, to go around and shake everybody's hands before I step in front. So I walk around the room shaking each person's hand and saying, very nice to meet you, very nice to meet you. And I, I'm shaking somebody's hands <laughs> and out of my mouth, I just feel the urge to say, we were recently in Hogsback. <laughs> and this gentleman says, oh, that's amazing. My son lives there. What a beautiful place. Isn't this really cool? And now we started this quick five-minute conversation. And turns out he was the key decision maker in the room. Did my presentation, made it to the next round. Eventually, they were deciding between two companies. And I, I had to fly in for a presentation to two people, the final decision maker and his two IC, and he was the president of the Africa region uh, and Asia region of the whole business. Before that meeting, I tuned in and got three little words or three little insights. The first was that I needed to emphasize that my training and my coaching was very practical and not theoretical. The second was that it got into practical very quickly that people would start practicing coaching skills within the first hour of the training. And the third was that we were South African created but internationally accredited and relevant. So yes, I had all my usual presentation, but now I had a little clue that those were the three things that I needed to emphasize. Anyway, you can imagine I sat there at this big boardroom. Uh, we were, it was one of these giant sort of 22 seater tables and there's me on the one side and this gentleman who was quite an intimidating personality and his two IC and his arms were folded and he's got, he had the frown and you could tell everything was telling me he was closed to what I was saying. And uh, I also used my intuition to 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 sense into how to find that key for for that lock in that moment and just to give you a little clue one of the most helpful ways to do that is to use the body to sense into what opens and closes the body so we'll get into that in more detail but I did that tried out a few things saw him starting to relax and then I mentioned those three things. And the moment I mentioned those three things, he opened his arms, he smiled, he nudged to the person next to him and he said, you see, this is what we've been looking for. <laughs> and of course, we won the account and we've been doing work ever since. We actually did some more training for them this year. And probably we have earned, I think, probably close to three and a half million in total from this one client over the years. So uh, what, I, what I want to suggest to you is that I'd like to challenge and inspire you to really make use of your own intuition a little bit more. Take it to the next level. So if you're already using it a lot, let's see if we can upgrade it even more. If your intuition is there but it's intermittent, let's see if we can get it a little bit more steady and reliable. And mostly I'd like to invite you to intentionally build your wisdom well, maybe even a few times a week. And we're gonna be talking about how in a moment. So. Mike did mention a bunch of these things, so I'm not going to go into it, but really master coaching, meditation and mindfulness is my thing. I am going to be brave and show you a photo that I haven't shown in a presentation before for that one soundbite about my background so that you, because anyway, Mike put it on the table. Uh, at the age of four, I had a large benign tumor behind this eye. And as a result, when I was 
taken around to shops, people would stop and stare. And my first message as a young little little girl was don't be visible because when you are visible, people are shocked. And I was I was the monster girl in my little little hometown. So I learned to tip my head and hiding was my default. During surgery to remove that tumor, the, I died twice. It was a nine hour surgery. My, they cut my head from ear to ear. Don't worry, I'm not going to show you that photo. <laughs> they cut my head open from ear to ear. And I always say to people that truly, I am the only person I know that is qualified to say they are open-minded. Getting shred. So, uh, and I'm quite sure they didn't put everything back. Yes, which would explain a lot as well. So uh, I did die twice. I had an NDE. It wasn't a classic NDE where I saw doctors and that, but I, I had the clear, complete and total experience of what it meant to be free of the body. And my little four-year-old mind called it home. I became extremely homesick uh, once I recovered. All I wanted to do go, was to go back to the space of 360 degrees, love, peace, clear seeing, total okayness, total non-judgment, uh, all the words that you've probably heard, seen, maybe experienced yourself. By the time I was 13, I was suicidal because all I wanted to do was go home. And on a particular night when contemplating suicide, a peaceful knowing arose and asked me a simple question. And that was, I needed to choose a reason to live that was bigger than the pain of being alive. Choosing a reason to live that was bigger than the pain of being alive. And I chose one word that was very important for me at that time. And the word was wisdom. For me, it would make all of this worthwhile, scars and shyness and the struggle of being human, to find a way to see for myself what is true, which I called wisdom. So I'm celebrating my 50th from last year, where now finally, after raising children and building successful businesses, I'm choosing in this next phase of my life to show other people how to build their wisdom wells, because that's what I've been doing <laughs> since a very young age and failing a lot so that I could ultimately uh, learn also what not to do. Thanks for all the the, 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 the the comments there. Yes, intuition can be scary, absolutely. And uh, yeah, needing a reason to live, right? So here is the photo, this little photo now, probably for you all, it may not be shocking, but I promise you it took me nearly two decades to learn to look at this photo. It was the only photo my parents ever took of me at four. So you can see the very large tumor. I couldn't see properly, my, my eye was completely pushed down, nearly lost my sight as well. And even when I was recovered and went to school, there was still so much swelling that I, I could never walk into a space without people pointing and staring. And point of this all is to show you that eventually my intuition, my wisdom guided me to heal the shyness around this time and to step onto stages. So if a shy little girl from a very conservative town could overcome something like this, I challenge you to find out what wisdom and your intuition can do for you. And we don't all need tumors to hold back, right? We don't all need this kind of story to hold back from stepping into our full purpose. So I would like to share with you what I've learned about learning to build my wisdom well and now you know where that came from. So perfect timing. I wanted to get us to spend at least 20-30 minutes on the practical four steps for you because uh, of course our minds love 
frameworks because we can take frameworks away we can remember them if you want to take screenshots you're more than welcome i'm also happy to send mike the slides if anyone's interested we're going to go through these step by step but first step when you're wanting to access your intuition uh, think about building that wisdom well and the first step is digging and when we dig We've got to be prepared to get our hands dirty. <laughs> so there's a couple of very important little teaching moments here that I want you to cons consider. How many of us try to access our intuition, but we're trying to be intuitive and we're trying maybe to be spiritual and or trying to ignore our busy minds and Damn it, I can't get my intuition because my mind is so busy. Or there's this feeling that's showing up, this emotion that's showing up, and I wish it wasn't there because then I'd be able to get to my intuition. So this first step, what it looks like is us being willing to be raw and real, to, to, to sit with, even for a minute, with what's actually showing up in our experience. So this is you perhaps journaling, perhaps uh, just acknowledging, okay, I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm confused or I'm jealous or I'm, I'm feeling envy because every time I look out in the world, somebody else wrote the book that I want to write. Oh, is always that just me, right? So that, that raw and real experience that you are encountering we can't get to the wisdom without first getting our hands a little dirty and i can't tell you how many times i've tried to skip this <laughs> and go straight for the good stuff right to just pretend i'm you know i'm fine and try and ignore my my busy mind so include your mind include your feelings and make them a part of this and the simplest way i know to do this is to do a line or two of just bullet pointing or writing how i'm actually feeling about the topic for my wisdom well so if the topic that you want to explore is a presentation that example that i gave you earlier i would first acknowledge my nervousness i would first acknowledge my con like my scattered thinking around i could present these 20 different slides which one should i emphasize so first is to start with what it is that you are experiencing the next when bu building your business uh, when building your wisdom well for your business is to carve a bucket so this is about realizing that our questions are the buckets that we create all my coaches know this as well because we, we we use this as a model for coaching the question you ask is the bucket that you send into your well now here could be a potential aha moment you can let me know if this is resonating but sometimes it's the question we're asking our intuition that's blocking our intuition Sometimes it's actually the way we are putting a question together that is, that's actually like sending a little thimble-sized bucket down or a leaky bucket. So taking a moment to look at the question we're asking and to experiment with the questions we're asking is super, super important. Now, I'll, I'll go into this in, when, we, when we apply this process now to our three areas that we're going to be looking at. But it is super important also, and maybe a little bit more advanced, to write down the question as it shows up, the thing that you really want from your intuition. So write it down as it comes out, or at whatever feels real for you. So perhaps you say, now how do I take my business to the next level? Or should I should I do this or do that because sometimes we ask a lot of uh, should questions right then 
it's going to be really helpful to look at what your question tells you about your limiting beliefs. Sometimes the question we're asking actually reveals something that we believe that's in the way. For example, take the dreaded should question. How many times have we asked our intuition a should question? <laughs> you know, should I do this or not? Should I do like a decision-making question or should I take this opportunity? Should I open this door? The very nature of the should question betrays or reveals a limiting belief that you think there is a should. Yes? That we think there is a right, must, better, should. Like a should, yes? <laughs> so don't should yourself. Oh, did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. Right. So it's, it's a closed question. And many of you know already from sales experience, from coaching training, that closed questions close doors. And sometimes it's appropriate to ask them when you're closing a deal, etc. Although I personally don't like hardly ever using closed questions. But for your intuition, the open questions are far better. And you could look at the question you're asking, experiment with it until it works. So instead of being passive about the process, if you tried a question and nothing showed up, there was no inspiration, there was no guidance, try another question. Now we get to the real, the real good stuff. And I, I see the question, Matthew, I'm going to have a look at it in a moment. And that is opening, right? So this is about how do we now translate something as subtle as intuition? How do we translate accurately? How do we tell apart ego and wishful thinking? And yes, I saw a comment earlier about imagination is not a bad thing. I agree. I actually believe that in order to open to your intuition, a little bit of imagination can go a long way. But at the same time, we don't want to delude ourselves entirely. So, so we need to uh, have a, you know, a balance. Um, when, if my intuition ever told me that I was the savior of humankind <laughs> and that I needed to tell people, I would probably question that, right? So we need to check for ego. If my intuition ever told me that I was better than other people and that it made me feel arrogant. In fact, my intuition has caught me on my arrogance quite a few times where I have seen very clearly the discomfort and the uncomfortable truth of my own feeling arrogance and my, my wisdom has brought me down a peg or two to be more equal to. So I, I do want to touch into this, which we will. And then finally, this is where you fill the bucket and now you bring it to the surface and now we mindfully live what we've discovered, where we can continue to engage in our intuition when we are with those tough conversations, when we are creating, manifesting and doing. So that's the process and we're going to apply it so that it's super, super real for you. I just wanted to quickly glance at Matthew's question, uh, a kind of tangent question. I've been thinking about it in the second I saw the four aspects. The spiral comes out and is connected. Dig, ask, open, however, is not connected to live. Are we discovering and isolating this aspect within us, then treating it as its own entity? Or am I just reading? <laughs> well, Matthew, wow. I think we need a whole other hour for that question. That is a beautiful question. Um, yeah. Can we, can we park that for the end of, of, uh, of today? I think there's something in there that might be worth exploring. Hey, Matthew, are we good to, to unpack that a bit later? Yes, because I think what you're asking is uh, about that, that its own entity. Yeah, so let's let's just remind me at the end of the session and I think we'll we'll get into that. Uh, Mary says, I find that I have to be sure the question I'm asking is not a leading question to what I want. Love that, Mary. We also have to check for our attachment to what we hope wisdom will say. Yes. We, if, if we bring to our intuition a little bit of a, come on intuition, agree with me, <laughs> we can also get ourselves 
in in trouble. Sarah wants to know, hey Sarah, <laughs> what are ways of framing an open question? So it's all the what questions, the how questions, the why questions. So we call them in, in our coaching work, all the coaches know the spiral up questions because they're questions that focus on the present and the future. So not so much why couldn't I do this in the past, but more why do I want to do this in the future? I can give you my favorite questions. They're big catch-all questions and you can adapt them. My absolute go-to favorite questions are, how does wisdom see this? So I tune in to the topic with the intention of asking to feel, experience, see how wisdom sees the same topic. And then I open to that. Uh, I shifted my fear of public speaking in one afternoon doing a lot of crying, so it wasn't easy, and a lot of, it was that intention. I, I, I looked at the thing I was the most afraid of at the time, which was people laughing at me while I stood on a stage and mocking me because that was part of my childhood fear. And then I asked, how does wisdom see this? How does the deeper soul truth see this? What is the, what is the truth of this moment? So that's another good question. What is the truth? What is the deeper truth is another favorite question. And then my catch all extra question is what else do I need to know? <laughs> what else do I need to know? So I, I had this fear of speaking and then brought into the space, how does wisdom see people laughing at me? How does wisdom see this moment? And it was a, it was a tangible shift in the body from being contracted and nauseous and terrified and emotional with all those past traumas triggered to me laughing with them. I remember distinctly sitting there with these tears streaming of the, the fear of speaking because I'd been invited to do a big talk and there were going to be television cameras there for a documentary on my life and this was making me feel sick. And I just looked through the eyes of wisdom and realized it was really funny <laughs> and started laughing with the imagined audience and then I opened to my intuition again and said what do I need to know about this and clearly were the words that I feel like sometimes a secretary just dictating from downloads right and it was just there's only two things you ever need you need to be yourself and love them be yourself and love them. And when I felt those words, and this is how I recommend you test words in your body, you test them for accurate translations. So when I felt the words be myself, I wasn't sure how I was going to do that because I was so shy and had so many layers. Uh, but that became what I lived is, is living how to be myself in front of strangers and groups and in business and love and the 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 tapping into and tuning into love dissolved the fear completely because it turns out it turns out we cannot be frightened of that which we love so so tuning into the love of who i was talking to tuning into that was really a game changer and a month later when I was on a smaller stage but with cameras I was so relaxed that I hadn't prepared a single <laughs> word for the presentation and when my mind panicked and said what are you going to say I would tune in and my wisdom or intuition would just say how can you know what you're going to say yet you're not in front of them yet. It's like having coffee with a friend or a beer or whatever is your preference and taking out little cue cards and saying, you know, how, how are you? Oh, hang on. I don't have a slide prepared for that. You know, so we, we want to be open to the spontaneous, fresh response of intuition. No problem. 
Alrighty, so here we go. I'm going to show you how to apply these four steps into the very practical application. So how do we find the right words for pitches and presentations? First of all, whatever you are really feeling about the pitch or the presentation, whether it's nerves, whether it's procrastination, whether it's comfortable, excitement, so it doesn't have to always be troubling emotions, just whatever raw and real feelings show up in the mind, the heart and the gut. And it's quite helpful to look at those three centers of intelligence because we all tend to have a preferential one. And sometimes it is useful to go check out the others, to actually hear your thoughts, your emotional needs around it, as well as your gut instinct around it. Once you've done that, which could take a minute or two or more, now you ask that question, right? And learning to find good quality questions, which is the bucket, of course. What I think would be helpful for pitchers is you want to find what words work for them and me. You want that sweet spot of words that resonate with your own truth, your own purpose, your own value system, as well as your niche market's going to say, yes, You've probably heard in marketing circles the term called a dog whistle, um, which is that you want to intentionally put words out there that not everyone's going to say yes to. Because you, you want the people who aren't your audience or your market to, to click the back button. And you want the people that are your niche market to say exactly yes, to feel that you are part of their tribe that they can relate exactly yes so i would do that and one of my favorite things to do when looking for words is i, I like using software like canva or something where i can be visual but you could equally also write them down and i do that as well in fact there's a very nice little scribble from yesterday and what, what I recommend you do is write a few variations of some of the key things, like the key messaging, the headline, and then read each word, right? And now we get to this part and test the words intuitively. Ask yourself, how does this word feel for me as an expression of what I'm about and what my business is about? And you wait for the words that open that feel like a strengthening feeling, that feel like an open lightness in the body versus a heavy contracted feeling. And then you do exactly the same. You think about your audience, you think about your market, and you ask the question intuitively, how do they connect to th these words? and you test the words. And what I will do is swap words out. I'll try a different word, put a new one in, swap all the words in until I get, and here's another little saying from my intuition, until it is professional, but not perfect. Because <laughs> if you try to find perfect, you're gonna get yourself unraveled. So professional, not perfect good enough because we're going to admit that there are no perfect words there are never going to be perfect words right they're never going to be perfect words but find the words that do the most opening exactly nanda we're on the same page not everyone's going to say yes and it's okay and of course there's timing as well exactly exactly and then finally i like to then when I am pitching or presenting, which you already heard, set the intention to tune in deeper than the surface of the people you're talking to. So if I set an intention to feel your wisdom and to feel your essence, to tune into the very soul of you, the, that that is deeper than your personality, what happens is amazingly it supports my own body and I feel an opening and a more a sense of peace. There's a warmth. You all suddenly feel like friends that I want to invite to our beach house for <laughs> a beer or a cup of tea or a wine or whatever because 
instead of feeling like strangers, that is a way to tune in to people at a much deeper level. I hope this is not too abstract um, and that you can take away a couple of things. Yeah, all right, so let's see how we would do exactly the same for decision making. You write down the decision you want to make, you put the topic on the table. You first, this one's easy now, you first actually express and acknowledge the very real experience that you're having about that decision. What, what is true about how you feel, the weight of it or the excitement of it, etc. Then I would check your actual question. And we said this earlier, if it's a should question, I, I would challenge that. Here's what wisdom taught me once about asking for the right choice. When a river bubbles up from a spring at the top of a mountain, that river does not ask what is the right path down the mountain. The river trusts, and feel these words, the river trusts that when it meets the rock, it will know how to fl flow around the rock, yes? The river trusts that it, when it meets the waterfall, it will know how to handle the waterfall. We often make the mistake of forcing the river or blocking the river because we procrastinate on the right thing, yes? Why not, instead of using your intuition for a should I question, use your intuition for how do I increase the flow? And the best way I know how to increase the flow is to tune into your truth and to also ask for practical solutions from your intuition. So instead of what's the right way down the mountain, how about I trust that when I meet that rock, I'll find a way around. I will meet that rock with courage and dignity, with intuition to support me. And I also want to invite you to remember that there's high tides and low tides. Every time you're creating, every time you're working, every time you're doing, it's a high tide, it's an outbreath. We don't give enough time to some low tides. This intuitive work should be done in a low tide space. Step away from your desk, go sit somewhere and withdraw your energy like a low tide. Pull your attention inwards in a meditative, contemplative way. Because then when you have your high tide, you'll see increased productivity, creativity, focus and clarity. And finally, very similar for procrastination, you bring your actual experience of the raw and real wobble of the procrastination. And here is a little gem that all our coaches know. Ask yourself what the valid positive reason is for the procrastination as it showed up that day. What is the reason, the positive reason? Because we want to try to get rid of procrastination, but actually it's there for a purpose. It could be that you don't feel ready and therefore you need to use your intuition to get more ready. It could be that you're tired and your procrastination means take a walk, you, you, need, you need to rest. Think about pleasure, pleasure Lisa, think about the positive intention and then live that positive intention. Apply it to your life. All right, folks, so <laughs> we have explored a lot together today. Um, let me know in the chat what questions, comments, uh, highlights are showing up for you. Um, Andrew was saying earlier, businesses are becoming more data oriented. So how do you balance what intuition tells you when this is in contradiction to what data says? Very good question, Andrew. I always keep my critical thinking alive and well. I always am learning and processing and taking data. Then I take the data to my wisdom well and I check it for myself. So uh, because we all know that data can also be manipulated. We also know that data can be skewed towards the bias of whoever you know is using that data. 
So I remain open and skeptical and interested. But for me, the last call is always my, my intuition. Um, pleasure, Lisa. And Chaya, hey Chaya, do not ignore your intuition. It's simple data process too fast for your conscious mind to comprehend. Love that. And of course, Einstein even said that intuition is the only real thing. Uh, and many of the greats in our history will tell you how when they open to ideas coming to them, they get those ideas. I always think sometimes that we build little antennas <laughs> inside of ourselves so that we can be receiving of inspiration and clarity. We are the masters of the data we are capable of reading. Choose the questions well and focus on testing the path till you find the right one. And there will never be one right path. Exactly. That river, trust the river, increase the flow. Pleasure, Natasha. Uh, Dai says, thanks. It seems like we are needing this currently as we simplify our lives this year in the water tiger. I thought it was quite appropriate, all the water for, for Mike's tiger. <laughs> yes. Pleasure, pleasure. Mike, you wanted to say something? Not necessarily at this stage, Colleen, except to say we're coming to the end. So if anybody does have any questions, I see El Marie's got a, a comment in there that you may want to just speak to. And I find it fascinating because next week I'm going to be talking about quantum and uh, giving some aspects uh, that come from the I Ching. And I'm also going to be talking about words as well. So this was a, <laughs> a great um I won't say introduction, that would be to underplay it, but a great match for what we're going to be doing next week as we as we unpack this. So let's get into any final questions or things that you've got for Colleen. Thank you. Almarie, it is possible to do this quickly. Uh, the quick version can actually happen spontaneously in the day. So I'm sitting at my desk. I think to myself, okay, dig first quick check in with how I'm feeling. Oh, there's a little closed feeling in my chest. And I really think somatic sensing is so helpful here. Otherwise, we stay very much in a cerebral space. Your body is very honest. So our bodies can tell us if there's a contracted feeling, if there's a little wobble, a little fluttering, then formulate your question or your intention, then Set your intention to open to thoughts and ideas from your intuition. And intention is very much the key there. And then you're, you're literally in the moment letting thoughts land and testing them in your body. And you're, the ones that feel peaceful, feel open, feel strong, feel warm, feel solid, those are the ones that you're paying the most attention to. And then you're applying that. So Elmarie, absolutely, this, is, this can be a one, two, three, four, probably two or three minutes, uh, and there you're good to go. And of course, if you're really in the flow of this, you can sometimes, that first step can be a moment, literally just a quick moment, or if there's nothing in the way, if there's no rocks in the way, sometimes that well is already open, then you don't really have to do a lot of step one, and sometimes step two can just be a, a very broad, what does wisdom see? What do I need to know? And then it's the open. It's the open. Pleasure, Philippe. Merci. Merci, merci. Ah, pleasure. Pleasure, Chantelle. And thanks to Julia and Sophia. Uh, pleasure, Linda. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure, Elmarie. I'm glad you all could take a lot from this. And thanks again to Mike and Lundy for the space. And of course, when a teacher or a speaker or a coach is sharing something that we all do, know that there is sharing verbally and there's also always the intuitive connecting as well. Because when an audience is connected to you, they are feeling the song of you in their own bodies. So your gift to them is always more than words. That's, uh, that's excellent, Colleen. Thank you so, so much. And thank you, everybody, for being here this week. And I have to say, um, this gave everybody some really great practical steps on how to tap into their intuition and how to utilize their intuition as well. 
So you may want to go back and uh, have a look at this uh, recording later on or review this as well, because this is something if you're not comfortable or used to using your intuition, I found this great, really great practical advice. And, you know, I definitely believe Colleen in practical spirituality, not woo-woo spirituality. And this is, this is fantastic. As I said, next week, we're going to be talking about um, quantum physics in business. We're going to be pulling some aspects out of the I Ching, one of the oldest books in the world. And we're also going to be sharing a little bit more on one of Colleen's topics here, which is uh, words also. And it seems that February is the month for tuning the way in which we interact with our own mind and our own spirit so that in March we can capitalize that on that in business. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you again next time.